Well, I feel like we were singing with the seraphim there. Uh, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. But the one wonderful thing that, that we celebrate here that the seraphim can't sing about is our redemption through Christ Jesus and what he did for us on our behalf when we were lost and separated from God. And in God's grace and mercy and wonderful loving kindness, he uh, redeemed us again to himself. And so there's something that, that even the seraphim that sing of God's holiness and greatness does not uh, compare with what he's done for you and for me this morning. And so we're gathered together today in a special way to enjoy the communion service, to remember the work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary when in that amazing love he bore our sins on the cross and gave to us new life in Jesus Christ. So uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for uh, glory and honor and power belong to you. Lord, we uh, come this morning with uh, a desire and a need to give you our love and adoration and thanksgiving and praise for you are merciful and great and holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, we praise you that the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ, came and dwelt among us and bore our sins on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, we give thanks this morning that we stand before you in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his righteousness and his righteousness alone. And in these things, Lord, we ask and and take access into the grace in which you've given to us that our worship of you may be pleasing that your presence may be with us as your people that your spirit would work in our hearts and lives and speak those things to us this morning that are most needful that we might walk with you and talk with you and we ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to see, to hear, and our understanding to comprehend what you, Almighty God, have done for us, and that we might bask in the love that has been poured out through your grace and mercies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you can uh, turn your Bibles, if you want to, to Romans chapter 5. We're going to skip around this morning a bit and, uh, and have a little bit of meditation here in regard to uh, regeneration, and, but in particular, our living hope. Um, and we find in, um, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 an expression of, of a term, it's a it's a theological term, but it's, it's just biblical. It's right there in the text. And that term is regeneration. And regeneration brings a living hope for all who believe. We're thankful that God has given to us a living hope in Jesus Christ. And we find in 
1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 that that Paul's declaration, his prayers, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A wonderful uh, word that's given to us, but we have been given a living hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's living because he's alive. Jesus Christ is in bodily, physical form at the right hand of the Father at this very moment. Ever to intercede for us. It is amazing love that has been given. Amazing love that God has has given to us uh, as uh, his people. He's brought us into his family. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And we're forgiven because Christ was forsaken. We're accepted because he was condemned. We are alive and well and his spirit dwells within us because Jesus Christ died and he rose again. And so we Remember it this morning. We remember his sacrifice. We remember the great things that God has done through his son, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a couple of terms here that we have. We've been learning about justification. Justification is what God legally did for you. When Christ died on the cross for your sin and when you express faith in his provision for that death that was that, that paid According to the scriptures, according to what is written, for all of our sins, God made he who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. God legally, forensically, justly paid for every sin that you have committed and will commit through the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And he is there in a living, bodily, resurrected form before the Father ever to intercede and mediate as your high priest before the Father. This is the wonderful grace of God, the wonderful grace of Jesus. And we sing about it, we celebrate it, we worship this morning. Now justification is what God legally does for us. Regeneration is what God miraculously does in and for us. He does it in and to you. Regeneration is that term which means that you're born again. It's how Christ changes our soul. Because you see, in the plan and purpose of God's plan for for our redemption and our salvation, he knew that it had to be an inner change. Because outer man could not change. And we we studied about these things in our studies of Romans, where um, through the works of the law, no man can come to the Father Uh, And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not even one. There's none that seeks after. There's none that understands. There's none that seeks after God. Uh, We have all turned away and together become unprofitable. And this is the, the sad. There's none that does good. There's not even one. That's what the, the law says. Now we know that what things the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law that every mouth may be closed and that all the world may become accountable to God. We become accountable to God uh, because 
uh, through the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. There's nothing within ourselves. There's no worth uh, sufficient to bridge the gap between what was necessary and needful. So God, through Jesus Christ, has caused us to be regenerated, born again. You must be born anew. You must have new life in Jesus Christ to know relationship with God. It's amazing love what Jesus did for you and for me. And we celebrate it this morning. We recognize that that God did what we could not do. And that's what's so important for us. And what I would like to to lay hold of, if, if God would permit this morning, that our people might understand and that we might know and that we might move in accordance with the access that we have been given into the grace that God has given through Jesus Christ because he has done great and mighty things which we know not. He has done awesome things for you and me and given to us uh, the splendor of his glory in Christ Jesus. And it's there by faith for that access into grace that God has given to us that we might live holy lives, that we might live sanctified lives before God and before the people that he would have us to witness to. So regeneration is to produce again or to be born again or to be born anew. Uh, Gospel of John in chapter 3, he speaks of being born from above. It's creating within us by faith in the work that Jesus Christ did, new life. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. There's a newness of life that you may enjoy this morning through faith in what the work that Jesus Christ did for you. You cannot do it. You cannot manufacture it. You cannot fabricate sanctification, holiness, and yet God says, be holy for I am holy. So what he commands, he's provided by his power, by the grace that comes in Jesus Christ to do what we cannot do for ourselves. Isn't he a marvelous God? Can't we sing holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty for glory and honor and power and strength? They belong to God and we boast in him. We boast in his glory. Metaphorically, it means to have one's mind changed so that that he lives a new life, one conformed to the will of God. We desire now in our new birth to, to, to live in, please, in pleasing our Creator. Whereas before, we please ourselves. We're in pursuit of, of, of our own pleasure. We're in su- pursuit of our own glory. We're in pursuit in prideful selfishness, those things which our flesh demands of us. But God created within us new life that we might be born again, that we might know this newness of life and by his grace have access into that which God alone could supply for you. So sanctification is dependent upon the power of God. It's dependent and the power, the source is there when we abide in Christ and I abide in you, you shall bear much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. Do you believe that? In the strength of your, in the spirit of your flesh, in the power of your wisdom, you can do nothing. But abiding in Christ and he abiding in you, 
We can do all things, for with God all things are possible. Isn't that true? That's the salvation that's been given to us in Christ Jesus. And it all go, always goes back to we have been justified by faith, by trusting that God in his integrity has done and will do what he said he would do. God is able. And to believe, to trust in the Lord God <clears throat> is where our salvation, it's where the grace, where the, the faith comes from that supplies the grace that God has given to us freely. It's a wonderful thing. Worship, prayer, God's word don't no longer becomes a burden, but it's a hunger a hunger that we have in our heart because in the word and in prayer we draw near to the Lord Jesus Christ. We look upon his glory and we see the glory of the living God. The one who is alive, it's a living hope because he's been resurrected in physical, human, bodily flesh, the offspring of David. God came. He took upon himself human flesh. He dwelt among us. And the scripture says, that the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And we may behold God's glory as we worship together in church, as we sing his praises, as we study of the Bible and hear his word that he speaks to us. His spirit speaks his word. And there's power for it is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And there's a transformation that occurs in our life. Regeneration brings transformation. It brings metamorphosis. That's the word. By the renewing of the mind. God changes our mind. He changes us from the inside. Fill your mind with the word and let it transform your life. Fill your mind with the things that, that Christ has for you. The abundant supply. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is what we have. It's what we've been freely given. We did not earn it. We did not some way uh, fabricate before God that which would give us access to that grace. But because he freely justified us in Jesus Christ, we've been given access into all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't it make you want to rejoice doesn't it make you want to boast in the Lord? Doesn't it spring that motivation within you to give Jesus Christ your love and respect and honor and submission as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and Prince of Peace? So Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you realize that God's purpose for you is holiness? That he desires for you to live righteous lives? That the most important thing that you can be doing is to prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God before uh, unbelieving and lost and pitiful, pathetic world that we live in. People need to see the glory of Christ in your life. And the glory of Christ has been freely given. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, everything that before he ordained for you to walk in, those good works, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which he before ordained for you to walk in them. 
And they're to see that, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, how it works in the Christian life for one who has trusted in Jesus Christ and one who has seen the, and known the power of God and the glory of God. And you're to shine as a light in the world that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There's glory in Jesus Christ. And it's glory, it's, it's, it's a heavenly treasure chest of things that are eternal in its worth, eternal for you. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 10 verse 5 says that we're to cast down imaginations. We're to think. It's a mental war. It's a, it's a, a, a mind war, a mind game. And the evil one and this world and our flesh is constantly at war with that spirit that has been given within us. And that spirit is to cast down imagination, speculations, arguments, or pretensions against that word of God that we study. That word of God that we look to for life because they're the words of life. And so we're to cast down those speculations that are outside and that are contrary to what the word of God tells us. We're to live in obedience, not by the, the works of flesh, but by the power of God's spirit by the Spirit of Jesus Christ that has been given to us. And there's a freedom, there's a power in it. It's the power of God's salvation that works in sanctification. But it's mental. It's what we think. Every high thing is to be cast down against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, how can we know what to cast down if we don't know God's Word? If we do not study God's Word, if we're not students of the Word of God, if we're not committed, fully committed, with the power of God's Spirit within us toward those things that God's Word has spoken to us and that we're hearing contrary from our world and from our culture. That's where the battle is. Casting down the, the cultural admonitions that we must do this to fill this empty spot in our heart in our life that our flesh is a consuming, it's, it just consumes everything and finds no satisfaction. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to the hunger, the inner hunger that we have. It's knowing God. This is eternal life to know thee, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. He's the satisfaction, the real satisfaction in life. And God's will is the will that we feed upon. It's the, the hunger that we should have for that life that's been given to us in Jesus Christ. Regeneration brings, and this is the third point here, regeneration brings reconciliation. And this is where we came to in Romans chapter 5. We have been reconciled to God in, in verses uh, 1 through 11. There's a regeneration, there's a reconciliation that takes place because of regeneration. Reconciliation means that we've been not only made friends with God with whom we were enemies with because of our sin, because of the separation that our sin brings, but we have been brought by regeneration through justification by faith in the work of Jesus Christ we've been brought into a reconciled relationship with our Creator. Reconciliation is a wonderful doctrine in Scripture. It's a truth 
that is taught. But not only did God reconcile us in Jesus Christ, God gave us the power to become sons, children of God. We've been made children of God. That means that he's our heavenly father, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. He's the one who has healed us from the sickness and death of sin that was working and coursing through our bodies, bringing death to our physical bodies and having brought death to our spiritual life so that we couldn't understand or perceive or have any relationship with God or with his truth and his will and his word and his way. God has regenerated us. He has reconciled us. And there's not only the power of the transformation of the mind and God's salvation, but the affections of our heart have been turned and given to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah, but we can't see him. He's not visible to us, but his spirit is about us. The truth is that his physical resurrected body is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And we know this because he's spoken the word to us. And there he's ever interceding for us. So we're reconciled even when in our uh, fallen and, and still sinful fleshly nature that wars against the spirit of God that has been put within us. And when that battle is going on, God, our, our, through our Lord Jesus Christ, is mediating for our sin. Because I don't know about you, but I'm far short of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And the scripture tells me that, that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And I can just look at this past week and say, God, I've fallen so short of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but it's his desire. It's his desire for me to come to Jesus, the one who mediates for me in heaven, to know the forgiveness of my sins this past week and to know the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that has been imputed to my account by God's grace. And it's access into that grace whereby we, we move forward victoriously in Jesus Christ. For he that has begun a good week work within you will complete it until the day of Christ's return, until our redemption, until this mortality puts on immortality and God gives us that new resurrection body because Christ was just the first fruit of that living hope in his resurrection. It was the promise that there was something better that God's future for us was confirmed. It is planned. It is, it is predestined. It is going to happen. That out of this life, we're going to, barring the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, before we die, we're going to die and go to the grave. But after the grave, the sureness and the certainty that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave and the salvation that he purchased for us, in that certainty, we have a living hope, a powerful hope in our Lord God. Reconciliation is the, result, the results of having been justified. Christ justified us before God the Father. He did the work on the cross of Calvary that was needful. Uh, he paid the price that we could not pay. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, by faith in what? By faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We've been reconciled to God. 
Reconciliation means that we have peace with God. In verse 2 it also says, and we have uh, not only that, we have access into, uh, through whom we have obtained a, a access by faith into this grace in which we stand and exalt or boast or rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We've got hope for the glory of God, folks. Hope for the glory of God, not in the future, but now, right this moment, to know the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit at work within us, God with you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I pray that when God's people go from this place, as we celebrate and remember what Christ has done, and we go from this place, that we, we go with this rich access into God's grace. Reconciled people, reconciled to the Lord God, proving his good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Reconciliation, boast in the glory of God, but also in this, I wanted to get to this, this morning, So, uh, but we also boast in tribulation. And I think we have to listen to Paul's words here. And if you, if you look there in Romans 5, 2, and 3, through whom we also have obtained our access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt, boast, glory, rejoice in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Now, I can speak about tribulations, and we kind of divorce ourselves from it, but I want for you to think about tribulations, about the troubles that you have in this life. Some of you, they're very heavy at this time, I know. And some of you, things are, are, are maybe moving along very well through life, but some of us have been uh, brought into manifold temptations. We've been brought into times of trial. Uh, but sometimes as believers we don't recognize them as something to boast about before God and about the glory of God in our tribulation, in our trial. And so we go to God and we think and we pray in terms of, God, uh, please deliver me from this. That's our, that's our go-to prayer. I'm in a trial. Deliver me from it. Take it away from me because it's interrupting my, my uh, enjoyment of life. Uh, it's interrupting. There's this principle that, that we die, uh, that we've been crucified in Christ, that we're to die to self, and that out of that death to self, the glory of God is displayed. The glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, the manifestation of Christ is made through our tribulation through our trial because we're proving the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Tribulation brings about the proof of our faith. We glory and should as God's people glory in tribulation. It's a hard thing to say and it's a hard thing to think, but I'm asking you this morning to think about your tribulation, your trial, something that's out of your control. Now, a trial, a test that God sends is another uh, expression where God is telling you that, hey, you're not in control. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and you don't have a solution. You don't know the answer. You don't know how to make it stop. And, and God wants for us in those moments to go back to Romans. We've been justified by faith without the works of the law, without works 
without human wisdom, without human power. The acknowledgement that by grace through faith that God has a plan that is beyond ours, that he has the right to be God, he has the right to be Lord, he has the right to be the master of your destiny and to put faith and trust in his goodness and in his sovereign plan in what he is working in our life is something that the power of God does in us. That's his salvation. But our deliverance, whether it's of something or through something, comes from God's spirit and God's grace. And I ask you this morning to take your trial, your test, and say, God, I know that you are God and you know what's best. And take me through to your glory. Let me boast in tribulation. Let me boast in what you are doing as Lord and God. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, 18 there says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Jesus Christ has given to us his Spirit. Romans 5, 3 and 4 says, And not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Hope is given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Tribulation brings us to a hope that will not shame or disappoint us. We're not going to be shamed. We're not going to fall short. Not because we're able in our works or in the power of, of fulfilling the law and understanding the parameters of don't do this, do do this, don't do this, but by the power of God's Spirit, by that power that works within us, when we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, when we cannot deliver ourselves, that we know that access into the grace that God has given us. So as you have received Christ Jesus, you must walk in it. You're going to live the Christian life. You must do it by His power and His grace, by drawing near, and know that you will not be shamed, that the power of God is sufficient. So Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Do you believe that? God in his power, with God all things are possible. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's able to do great and mighty things which we know not. And those things which we know not, can we by faith entrust them to God and believe and trust that he's doing something that we may not understand? Because he does things that are great and mighty that we do not know and cannot understand. But we can rest in the grace and the power of God. Romans 5, 5 says, and hope does not disappoint. Romans 5, 5, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If you understand this verse, you understand what the... New covenant, what Jesus, the covenant in his blood is all about, what we're celebrating here at the table this morning. You're understanding that, that Christ, when he offered up himself, that new covenant in his blood, that he poured out within our hearts a power that belongs only to God, a power for salvation, 
a power that was given through the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and he's given to indwell us. He sealed us. Sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That's what the Scripture says to us. We have standing on the promises of God, a hope that will not shame us, a hope even in tribulation, even in great distress, is powerful enough because it's based and founded upon the grace of God. If you go back to chapter 4, verses 17, as it is written, a faith, uh, a father of many nations, I have made you in the sight of him whom he believed, even God is speaking of Abraham and his faith here, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. You can't see it. You don't know it. But God knows it. And God is able to bring that which does not exist into existence. That's the power of God. That's his ability. That's the grace that we've been given access into. Verse 18 says, In hope against hope he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations according to that which has been so spoken. So shall your descendants be. Now he spoke that what, 4,000 years ago? 4,000 years ago. And we're here as a testimony this morning of the power of Abraham's faith in the promises of God. And that faith is a hope against all hope. It's without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about 100 years. There was no hope for Abraham to think in probability this can't happen. And yet against hope, he believed in hope. That's the, the exercise of faith. That's what God calls us to in his word. And that's where the power of salvation is. It's where the power of sanctification is. It's where God's going to do something that's exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think. Tribulation delivers us from hope in the works of the flesh to hope in our Savior. We can have that slide. Hope in our Savior, an overflow. An over, it's God's grace is poured out to overflow. The, the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ is poured out to an overflow in our heart, and it should produce an affection in our, uh, for God, for the Lord Jesus, in which it should bring us here, gathered together to worship Him in spirit and in truth to worship the Lord God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, to worship Him by our mind, by thinking in accordance with His Word, by casting down every speculation that comes against that Word, and in our hearts to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Give Him your affection. Give Him your worship this morning. Give Him the praise that rightfully belongs to Him. Give Him the thought of what he has done through Jesus Christ our Lord. Tribulation brings us from dependence on ourself to dependence upon the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's powerful. That's the power of God's salvation. It's what it means for God to save us and for God to be the God of our salvation. And never forget it. God is the God of your salvation. It's done by grace through faith, not through the works of the flesh, not through the works of the law, not through anything contrived by man, but that which comes by the spirit and power of God. So I got a couple of thoughts for you here. There's a
a quote that was given by J.B. Stoney. Uh, there is but one thought with our Father in disciplining us, namely to make our trials an opportunity for our heart to learn and to discover more of his love and the resources which are in him as he has revealed them to us in his Son. That's what tribulation's for. That's how you can glory in it. You can glory in the power of God, in the promise of God. Was Abraham, did he ever see anything of a trace of the fact that all the nations in the United States of America didn't even exist? In the United States of America, that there would be a group of people that after the faith of our father Abraham had put their trust in Jesus Christ and, and he's become the father of many nations, many people, many churches uh, in the, the different hour zones have been there gathered together. Children of Abraham, those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. There's another quote for you here. There is no way of learning faith except by trial. It is God's school of faith, and it is far better for us to learn to trust our Father than to enjoy life. You see, we always go to that enjoy life, and that enjoy life means, God, take this trial away from me. Deliver me from it. Save me from it. But what Scripture is teaching us here, and what this quote has to say is, is true to Scripture, that we're learning to trust in the Father, that he has a, a, a something that is great and mighty which we know not. Something that is exceeds, is exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think, but we trust him because he's our Father, he's our loving Heavenly Father, and he cares for you. Do you know that Jesus Christ expressed his love for you in the, in the greatest possible way? That God uh, gave he became poor for our sakes. He has given to us. And now uh, we, we come to remember uh, at the ringing of the bell. We come <laughs> in the crash of the cymbal. Uh, we come and gather to remember our Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to, uh, at this time, ask the men to come forward. I ask you uh, to prepare in your heart, trust that, uh, that your believers here, but if you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, observe what's taking place because we're remembering the power of God, his salvation, what Jesus Christ did in order for us as guilty sinners to be redeemed, brought back to God, to be reconciled to God, our creator, to, to be brought into a family relationship with him. And that's what this is all about. It is an ordinance that Jesus Christ gave. It is a remembrance of his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. And I ask you now, uh, believers, as, uh, as the men come, that you confess any known sin in your lives. Scripture says that we should come to the Lord's table with clean hearts. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So may you uh, take a few moments of meditation to, uh, to pray and to confess any known sins before the Lord our God. Father, we come to you as your people.
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and for his glory. We pray that you might be pleased uh, to receive our worship and our praise and our thanksgiving this morning. And we remember our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray.